25 minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
JM in the AM. Chaim David Burson, song called Geula Rock. Simcha Liner's Marake, you heard Rifa Enu done by Uri Davidi of Shire Pinchas, Volume 3. Rokedim Halayla, that was Amram Adar. RJ2 with Marabu, Shalom Aleichem done by Yitzi Spinner and Avremel, and of course Regesh. Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Friday morning on this May 11th, day 26 in the month of ER. Good morning, it's the year 5778. Tavshinai and Ches, day 41. Today is day number 41 in the counting of the Omer. That would be uh, five weeks and six days. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Bahar, and Bichukosai. In Israel, it's only Bichukosai. With Kia, finally we'll be caught up. How do you like that? Mazel Tov. We're, we're caught up with Israel soon. We're about 24 hours away. <laughs> Candle lighting at 742 on this era of Shabbos here in New York, 742. I believe Yerushalayim is 645. I was calculating. I think Yerushalayim is 645 candle lighting. For those of you like me who like to uh, get those uh, Israel phone calls in before uh, Shabbos. I think it's 645, which would mean 1145 here. Anyway, 742, our official candle lighting. Well, Ben Rosh Chodesh uh, tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Tuesday. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be Monday night, Tuesday, a one-day Rosh Chodesh. Um, all right, so get ready for that. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Sunday is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And Sunday is Yom Yerushalayim. And guess what? Matis Weingast has authorized it. We will be doing a Yom Yerushalayim special, Matis Weingast, Mayor Weingarten, and myself, a Yom Yerushalayim special live Sunday morning. I know this is pretty cool. I'm very happy about it. Live Sunday morning. In fact, Hillel Scheinfeld, late, late last night, asked me, are you playing the Kolot? Are you playing the Kolot of Yerushalayim 1967 sounds? Uh, are you playing them Friday, meaning tomorrow, he said, you know, meaning in reference to today, Friday. I said, no. We have a Yom Yerushalayim special. We'll be doing it this coming Sunday on Yom Yerushalayim at about 8.30 Eastern time. So if you want to relive 51 years ago, it's going to happen Sunday during our Yom Yerushalayim special here at um, JM in the AM, or more accurately, in this case, JM Sunday. Um, all right, so that's Sunday. Monday is a big day. Monday is a big, big, big day. JM and the AM will be on from 6 a.m. till 11 a.m. with coverage of the American Embassy move to Jerusalem. And we'll be doing it. It'll be presented by us at the Nahum Siegel Network and the American Friends of Ateret Kohanim. American Friends of Ateret Kohanim, I mean, who has worked harder for Jerusalem over the last 40 years? That's when they were founded 40 years ago. Then uh, American friends about Tarot Cohen and they have your Yom Yushalayim Gala uh, honoring the U.S. Embassy move and recognizing the women of valor of the old city Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night at Terrace on the Park. They're partnering with us to present this incredible celebration on Monday, a celebration of Israel's 70, after all, it's May 14th, the 70th anniversary, uh, a, a celebration for Yushalayim and a... Um, 
a perfect prelude to their incredible gala coming up on Wednesday night. Remember, they will be presenting an award uh, to the President of the United States uh, being accepted by uh, Anthony Scaramucci. Um, And they're doing this to recognize the President of the United States for his actions on behalf of Jerusalem as the eternal capital of Israel. So we'll be doing that Monday with our friends at uh, Tarot Kornim. Uh, We're preempting everything until 11 a.m. in order to extend JM and the AM, so it's going to be an amazing Monday. So we have an incredible Sunday coming up, an incredible Monday coming up. We have an incredible day today coming up. Yeah. Malcolm Honline is going to be joining us. He's executive vice president of the executive vice chairman, rather, executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. And Mr. Honline is going to be, or actually Dr. Honline, that's right. The week he gets another doctorate, we got to call him Dr. Honline. Uh, he's going to be joining us at about 7.40 Eastern time um, this morning here at uh, JM and the AM. So to say there's a lot going on is uh, an understatement. By the way, uh, somebody has just commented on our app that in Jerusalem, Shabbat is 6.51. What did I say? 6.45. How come I'm always off? If I look up sunset, am I, am I not always just going 40 minutes before? I don't get why I'm always off on Yerushalayim time by a few minutes. I don't get that. Anyway, according to this listener on our app, and I thank him for or her for checking in uh, at 6.51 in Israel. Arafur Shlema, please, uh, to all Chole Yisrael, uh, and specifically um, Moshe David ben Gitaleah. Moshe David ben Gitaleah, and your help with that, of course, is greatly appreciated. Um... We did the liner Marakade. Somebody had asked for the liner Marakade or the Kalbach Mimkompa, so at least we got to one of those. If you want to comment on the app, want to tell us where you are, what you want to hear, um, anything at all, go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. And, I like, and as I like to say, comment away. All right, are we set? Are we set to go into the next one, into the next set? 6.41 in the morning, it's JM in the AM, and uh, on this Friday morning, since we have um, uh, Rosh Chodesh benching coming up, we'll do this one from Yehuda Green. Oh, 
Shalom 
slammed and nary a soul came with precision the tribes crossed the river Jordan we were all amazed river stood still so thickly I'm giving you Jericho quickly oh welcome home again God said it's time to inherit the land again oh won't you walk outside Circle the city six days four. Oh, on the seventh day, you'll circle the walls seven more. Shofar will play seven times, that's right. 
the breeze will blow and then what a sight what a sight there will be you can try to take cover but it was all in vain the decree from above man joshua would attain walls tumbled down and men went again to save just one family because rachab had helped them it was understood Jericho comes from uh, Lenny Solomon and Schlockrock, a release that was done in honor of Israel 70. And guess what? The Israel 70 celebration continues for us and for you and for everybody out there who cares about Israel because this coming Monday, it is the 70th anniversary of the founding of the State of Israel, uh, May the 14th, 1948. The embassy um, ceremony is going to be taking place Monday in Jerusalem, and we will partner with 
the American Friends of Atarat Kohanim, to bring you all of the action and all of the uh, celebratory atmosphere this coming Monday between 6 a.m. and 11 a.m. here at the Nahum Siegel Network, an extended JM in the AM that we are very much looking forward to. Sunday is Yom Yerushalayim, and we'll have a Yom Yerushalayim special right here between 7 and 9 a.m. Thank you to Matis for allowing us to join him on JM Sunday for the big Yom Yerushalayim celebration. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSingle.com on the NachumSingle Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Mother's Day is Sunday. Yom Yerushalayim, as we said, is Sunday, and we'll be broadcasting between 7 and 9, our Yom Yerushalayim special. We bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Tuesday. If you're in New York, candle lighting 742 on this era of Shabbos, Parshas, Bahar, and Buchu Kosai in Israel. Only Bichukosai. Galei Tal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Jam them. Galei Tal, Shashtai, Kan Ofek Albert, in Mashikurek Shav. Bahir Irani Mayem, in Israel, Tinhag Betipshut, Nimhak et Tel Aviv, Vehefa, Katavtenu in Antonov. Ahmad Khatami, Haver Moetet Hamumhima Irani, Tamarki Teheran, Tamshikh Lefatek at Yeholota Tilim Shalal, and Rotalachat Mitsada Marav. Khatami Yosifki, a Surlis Mohal Medino Teropa, Shahatumotal Skema Garin, Vetan Sharzot Abrit Munyanet Lapileta Mishtar Beiran. Sarah Bitahon, Avigdor Lieberman, Korele Assad, Bemalach Bikur Bagulan, Arheketa Irani, Missouria. להעביר מסר לאסד, תעיף את האיראנים, תעיף את קאסם סולימני וכוח קורס, הם לא עוזרים לך, הם רק פוגעים. אנחנו באמת לא מחפשים שום עימות נוסף עם אף אחד, אנחנו לא באנו לגבול האיראני, הם באו לכאן. צהל חושף כי חיל האוויר סיכל בחודשים האחרונים העברת טילים מתקדמים נגד מטוסים מאיראן לסוריה ומנע את הגבלת חופש הפעולה הישראלי באזור, כתבנו הצבאי צחי דאבוש. לפני מספר שבועות הגיעו מערכות הגנה אוויריות מתוצרת איראן שהיו אמורות להיות מבצעיות בצהל זיהו שהן עתידות להגביל את החופש במרחב האווירי ולכן תקפו אותן לפני שהפכו למבצעיות. בצהל אומרים שרצוי לא להיכנס לאופוריה או שאננות בגלל מבצע בית הקלפים. אמנם הייתה הצלחה אבל ישראל נמצאת מול אויב אידיאולוגי ועקשן עם יכולות גבוהות. כתבנו בצפון גיא ורון מעדכן כי במועצה האזורית גולן הודיעו היום על חזרה מלאה לשגרה ביישובים ובאתרי התיירות. שלושה פעילי ימין עוקבו לחקירה לאחר שניסו לשגר עפיפון תבערה משטח ישראל לעזה וגרמו לשרפת שדה. אחד מהשלושה, רן כרמי בוזגלו, הסביר, לא התכוונו לגרום לדלקה. באנו לצלם סרטון תדמית שאנחנו משגרים עפיפון תופת להניע במתנה. היה מאוד נחמד, העברתי לו מסר שייזהר לא לשחק באש. חלילה, לא התכוונו להביא שדה, קצת קוצים נשרפו, קיווינו והכל בסדר. רוכב אופניים חשמליים נפצע באורח קשה מפגיעת מכונית סמוך למחלף מסובים. הפצוע בשנות ה-30 לחייו פונה לבית החולים על ידי מגן דוד אדום עם חבלת ראש כשהוא מורדם ומונשם. יושב ראש ועד העובדים בנמל אשדוד לשעבר, אלון חסן, הגיב לדיווחים לפיהם החליטה הפרקליטות לערער על זיכויו מעבירות שוחד ומרמה. חסן הודיע שיעתור לבג"ץ נגד הפרקליטות, כתבנו רמי שני. זיכויו של אלון חסן מהאשמות כלפיו הפתיע את הפרקליטות. שם אומרים כי ככל הנראה יוגש ערעור על החלטת בית המשפט המחוזי בבאר שבע, וכי ביום ראשון צפויה הגשת הודעה בעניין. חסן עצמו מסר בצהריים כי הוא מקווה שהדבר לא יקרה, והגדיר את המעשה כשימוש לרעה בסמכות השלטונית, 
אותה, הוא הודיע כי יפנה לבית המשפט העליון למנוע את הגשת הערעור. שלושה ימים לאחר שהחלה שביתה לא חוקית לכאורה של עובדי הנמלים, מגיב לראשונה שר התחבורה ישראל כץ ואומר כי הוא בחומרה רבה את סירובם של ראשי ועד העובדים להתייצב לדיון בוויזיון בית המשפט בעניינם. תחזית מזג האוויר היום, ירידה ניכרת בטמפרטורות, בלילה צפוי להתחיל גשם מקומי שיימשך עד שבת אחרי הצהריים. אלה החדשות שעורך יותם לחובסקי, בצוות איטיאל דינר ודניאל שבתאי. J.M. and the A.M. 
Seven minutes after the hour, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, day 41 in the counting of the Omer. Double Parsha outside of Israel. Bahar Bechukosai, candle lighting at 742 in New York. Obench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Tuesday. Mother's Day is Sunday. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Yom Yushalayim is Sunday. Happy Yom Yushalayim to everybody. Uh, our Yom Yushalayim special, Matis Weingast, Mayor Weingarten, and myself, 7 a.m. Eastern time this coming Sunday. As I told Hillel Seinfeld late, late, late last night. Boy, was it late. <laughs> we'll be playing the uh, Kolot, the sounds of 1967 at approximately 8.30 Eastern time this coming Sunday. Make sure to be tuned in. <clears throat> Monday, of course, is the uh, is Embassy Day. Monday is the 70th anniversary of the establishment of the State of Israel, May the 14th. Monday is the big celebration with the Embassy. Monday is an amazing day for us to just celebrate Jerusalem and celebrate Israel. American friends of Atarat Kahnim and we here at the Nachum Siegel Network will be together Monday morning between 6 and 11, an extended JM in the AM simply to celebrate Israel and Jerusalem. It is the perfect prelude to the uh, to the uh, Teret Kahnim dinner coming up Wednesday night at Terrace on the Park. We're hoping everybody comes out to join that big celebration Wednesday night. They'll be presenting uh, Donald J. Trump, the President of the United States, with an award for his actions on behalf of Jerusalem as the eternal capital of Israel. Anthony Scaramucci is going to be uh, accepting the award. Information to RSVP for the dinner, Jerusalem chai.org slash dinner jerusalem chai.org slash dinner or you could use the phone number 212-216-9270-212-216-9270 for information there's something else about monday i wanted to mention of course now i completely forget what it was um Something I wanted to mention. Um, can't remember. Anyway, Monday's a big day, so join us. Simple as that. Ten minutes after the hour, it's uh, JM in the AM. Malcolm Honeline, a half hour from now, he is Dr. Malcolm Honeline, is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us at 7.40 Eastern Time this morning here at JM in the AM. So I hope you'll... Uh, You'll be tuned in, and we'll discuss the Iran deal, some embassy talk, Syria, Iran. My gosh, there's so much going on. It's crazy. Uh, all right, so we'll uh, we'll do all of that coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
Thank <laughs> Our 
J.M. in the A.M. with uh, Benny Elbaz. Mordechai Shapiro's Kulam. You heard Avremo with Yerushalayim Shabalev and Achim Banefesh. Yerushalayim is on our minds. This coming Sunday is Yom Yerushalayim. Our Yom Yerushalayim special begins at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Matas Weingast, Mayor Weingarten, and myself bring you two hours of a Yom Yerushalayim special this coming Sunday. Kolot, the voices, the sounds of 1967 this Sunday at 8.30 Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. Monday's our big day here at JM in the AM as we extend all the way until 11 a.m. Eastern Time and celebrate Monday's amazing Israel 70 on May the 14th, plus the embassy move with our friends at American Friends of Ateret Kohanim. It's in advance of their big dinner coming up on Wednesday night which is their gala celebration. Hopefully all of you and all of us will be there to uh, celebrate on Wednesday night. And um, information about all of this, contact American Friends of Ateret Kohanim, Jerusalem Chai, jerusalemchai.org slash dinner, jerusalemchai.org slash dinner, and 212 216 Nine two seven zero again. That's two one two, two one six, nine two seven zero. Twenty seven minutes after the hour, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, he is slated to join us here at JM in the AM. We'll get to uh, Malcolm and um, the weekly update coming up. There's a lot to talk about, as you likely suspect, and we'll try to get to as much of it as possible here at JM in the AM. And uh, coming up later on, of course, Naomi Nachman, brand new edition of Table for Two. That's at 9 a.m. at 10 a.m. Mark Zamek, the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show. We're looking forward to that. Um, and, of course, the Kedem presentation all day long of the Arab Shabbos music mix. Don't forget at 1 o'clock this afternoon, 1 o'clock Eastern time, Harry Rothenberg with the audio from his uh, video blog regarding Parsha Sashavua. We have that exclusively at the Nahum Siegel Network. Simple as that. More coming up. It's JM in the AM with Simcha Liner.
מלחמות קשות, רדיפות כואבות, בכל זמן, בכל מקום. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. עלילות שקרים, צוררים קשים, שרוצים רק להרוס. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. אז נצא כולנו יחד לרחובות העיר, ניקח אוויר
JM in the AM. All right. Derech Achim with OG Shama. Simcha Liner had Na'avar. You heard Benny Elbaz in there with Hine Matov. And Mordechai Shapiro's Kulam. And I think it wasn't... Uh, yeah, correct. There we go. <laughs> I, th- I think we got the right order of songs. Anyway, the Mordechai Shapiro selection goes out to Nachshon Lefkowitz in Passaic, New Jersey, who I am told is celebrating a bar mitzvah this coming Shabbos. All right. Bahar Bechukosai belongs... Tanakhshon, Nachshon Lefkowitz, Passaic, New Jersey. Mazal tov to you and the entire family. From all of us here at JM in the AM. Closing out the book of Vayikra, Nachshon is. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, candlelighting 742 in New York. We'll bench our Shodesh tomorrow. Our Shodesh Sivan will be on Tuesday. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And Yom Yushalayim is Sunday, and we are here between 7 and 9 a.m., as part of a special Yom Yushalayim JM Sunday, you'll have Matis and Mayer and myself all celebrating Jerusalem. Make sure to be tuned in this coming Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. Oh, yes. Uh, Monday, of course, we extend JM in the AM. It's Embassy Day. It's Israel 70 on May the 14th. We extend JM in the AM on Monday. With our friends at the American Friends of Atarat Koanim from uh, from six a.m. all the way until eleven a.m. with the big embassy celebrations. So there's a lot going on and a lot that we are proud of. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us. Weekly update on the way at JM in the AM.
Everyone's waiting, wishing, praying for Mashiach. It will only happen when we all get along. Everyone waiting for, wishing, praying for Mashiach. Let's love one another. Everyone in song. Friday morning. Big shout out to our friends at OnlySimchas.com. Get into the habit of checking OnlySimchas.com every day, not only for big Simcha news, but for amazing stories from around the Jewish world. A lot of them having to do with us, frankly. OnlySimchas.com. Check it out each and every day. Candle lighting 742 in New York. We'll read two partios tomorrow, closing out the book of Ayikra. Baharan B'chukosai in Israel. It'll just be B'chukosai, but at least we'll all be caught up, Baruch Hashem. That panic will be over. Uh, we bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Tuesday. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And keep in mind, everybody, that Sunday is Yom Yerushalayim. And now that we're on our own independent network, yeah, we're doing a Yom Yerushalayim special on Sunday. Why not? 7 a.m., Matis Mayer and myself, a Yom Yerushalayim special live from our New York City studios. We will celebrate the 51st anniversary of the reunification of Jerusalem. How cool is that? And the Kolot, the Sounds of 1967, 8.30 Eastern Time this coming Sunday. 8.30 Eastern Time this coming Sunday. And on the subject of being our own independent network and doing whatever we want, which has never felt so good, um... And we're and and for whom most Jews in history have not been able to say that. Uh, this coming Monday, JM and the AM will be extended. We'll start at six. We'll go all the way until eleven. We're partnering with the American Friends of Atarat Kohanim to celebrate Israel seventy. We we rarely acknowledge the secular date of Israel uh, of Israel's establishment, but I mean, with the celebration going on in Jerusalem and, and it being seventy, we are certainly acknowledging it this year. We'll celebrate Monday on May the fourteenth. Uh, with the uh, the big embassy move, and we will um, continue to encourage people, frankly, like they're doing with Atard Kohanim, because they are they are honoring him on Wednesday night. We'll, we'll continue to encourage people to, at the minimum, thank the President of the United States. If, if you're happy with how the President of the United States has dealt with Jerusalem and Israel, then it's a good idea to let him know. It's a good idea to let him know. Uh, and I'm sure that's something that uh, I could discuss with... Uh, with Malcolm Honline. Malcolm, oh, excuse me, Dr. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday at JM and the AM. Dr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I say doctor because we had, the, uh, we had the privilege of eavesdropping and, uh, and eavesdropping, I guess we would say, uh, this past Monday. Uh, a day in advance at Bar Ilan University in Israel of you receiving an honorary doctorate, and all of a sudden on our app, we have listeners who are berating me for not addressing you properly. They want to hear the title doctor. Well, it's an honorary cause, but it's my fourth. 
So wow. you call me doctor, 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 doctor. But <laughs> maybe we'll frankly, just say maybe we'll just say doctor. Is still good enough, and uh, <laughs> I appreciate it. And I appreciate how many people told me that they listened. Yeah, it was nice uh, to the to the broadcast and uh, the you know interest that it generated. You know, you remind you frankly reminded me, and the archives available, folks, nachumsigel.com. You reminded me, by the way, of an old line. Uh, that my father used to quote from some of his congregants when he would give a fire and brimstone speech. The congregant would walk over to him after Adonalum and say, Rabbi, you sure gave it to them today. <laughs> and boy, and boy, you, you, were in, you were in rare form in letting us have it on Monday during that speech at Bar Ilan University. I can tell you that much. Uh, and by the way, what I just said moments ago is a perfect reflection of that because one of the things you're most frustrated by, rightfully so, is apathy. You are frustrated when people don't get involved. They don't realize the impact that they can have literally on Jewish history if they would get involved. And in this case, at the minimum, can we at least get people to call the White House and acknowledge what the president has done? I'm sure you would recommend that as a small step, that's a good idea. Akarasatov, in this case, is certainly called for, and it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican. You should thank uh, the president and the members of the administration for the action. It's certainly a courageous action. And for his action in regard to the Iran um, deal, whether, again, you favor the pullout or not, I think saying that he, he took a courageous act and that we want to see now further action taken to make sure that Iran... It cannot continue both its nuclear program, but it's also its aggressions in many air in, in the region and beyond around the world and the ballistic missiles, its weaponization. There are many other aspects. But if the if the White House doesn't hear from us, then it's our fault. Yeah. And we speak to people literally around this entire nation. I mean, we, we see, you know, different communities represented in terms of listener response. Everybody out there, I mean, no matter where you are all across the U.S., and maybe even Malcolm might even argue it's more effective outside of the New York area. Just get on the phone, contact... And, and if people are in Europe and play other places, right. write your governments and say, it's time to support it. 100%. Get on the phone, call the White House, email the White House. So easy these days. Email the White House, put Jerusalem in the subject line, let them know you at least care, and that you're happy with the... Uh, assuming that you're happy, happy with what's happening in Israel. I see for you had this in the Daily Alert. Apparently it's a $400,000 budget to convert uh, the consulate into an embassy for Monday. Uh, n- doesn't sound like that outrageous a bill, frankly. And I would guess that everything is set for Monday. Or is, does it look like... I, first of all, I would assume it's going to be one of the most secure places in the world. <laughs> That's number one. <laughs> but as far as you know, I would guess uh, they're all set for Monday ceremony. They are all set. The signs already pointing to the embassy are up in Jerusalem. The the roads have been paved by the United States, the security roads, wow. the, and the. Um, but but we have to remember this is an existing facility. It's not a new facility. It was right. just uh, adjusted and and fixed up in order to accommodate uh, the embassy. But the staff of the embassy is going to remain in in Tel Aviv for now, and probably as I said all along, it will take. Um, seven years, eight years, nine years to, to 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 build a building. There is a property next to, adjacent to the existing uh, facility, which is now used as a consular building, uh, and will be the uh, embassy. Uh, then construction will begin sometime in the future for a permanent building, and then people will move from Tel Aviv. Although I assume that building will become a consular facility. 
Uh, the president and vice president will not be there. Can we assume that as opposed to a security issue, it probably is a scheduling issue, and, and that's the reason why they can't be there on Monday? Yes, and I know that the vice president is going to participate in an event that I'll attend uh, Monday night at the embassy, and there is an event in the White House Monday morning, so it's, I think it's just a scheduling issue. And remember, the president was there not long ago right. and has an upcoming trip to North Korea that he has to prepare for. So it's uh, I, I, people should not misinterpret it. Their, their position has been very clear. Yeah, I know people want to hear about Iran, and we will in a second, but we should acknowledge that yet another country, Paraguay in this case, has announced that they're going to be moving their embassy to Jerusalem. And if I remember correctly, I, I, you know, we've been doing this a long time. Am I correct that one of your meetings, one of your conference trips is once to Paraguay, or am I thinking of a different uh, group? Um, am I right or wrong? We had planned a trip to Paraguay, and but we hosted the president here in New York and um, have met with him uh, several times, actually. He's, he's very pro-Israel, but he's, he's outgoing. So... They are trying. The, the current president wants to do it yet in his term, which expires in the near future, and um, and they're not going to be alone. You know, Honduras is going to move its embassy, and we hope to be able to visit there and encourage him, as we did with the president of Guatemala, who will be coming a day after uh, the dedication in Jerusalem of the U.S. embassy, and he is going to open the Guatemala embassy in Jerusalem. And the Czech Republic, others have said that they will they will join. Yeah, you know it's funny. We we sometimes forget we concentrate so much on Latin America and South America having you know some of the uh, you know terror cells that we fear from around the world. The truth is that uh, both regions do have great supporters of Israel within them. They do, and there's a growing evangelical community there, uh, the evangelical Christian community who are extremely supportive of Israel and uh, make their voices heard. I mean, we met them when I went to see President Morales in Guatemala, and they were really very supportive, very wonderful, and worked together with the uh, American evangelical community. And this is a, it's, it's, a, it's the fastest-growing movement in, in South America. Hmm, very cool. Malcolm Honlein's with us. Again, we congratulate him on the, uh, uh, the um, uh, doctoral degree that uh, Barlon University bestowed upon him earlier this week. Friday morning broadcast at JMM, and, and you know what everyone's anxious to hear. Let's get to the Iran deal. Um, so, for I mean, I would assume most of this audience is familiar. Center. Oh, that's not what you meant. What is it? I'm sorry? I said that's not what you meant, but that I'm going to be at the Riverdale Jewish oh! Center this Shabbos. Oh, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Riverdale Jewish Center this coming Shabbos, Malcolm Holmline. Do you know how many times they've asked you to speak? Well, the public appearances are uh, after Musaf on Shabbos morning and then at Shalashudas, I think, or after Mincha. Oh, well, you're going to give it to them, huh? <laughs> no, they're a great community and very active community, so I don't know what I have to give to them. I will try to offer to them some insights. But uh, Hey, somebody in Riverdale, do me a favor, walk up to Malcolm after the speech and tell him, <laughs> boy, Malcolm, you really gave it to them. <laughs> Please, I'm begging you. All right, so most of us are familiar, and this audience certainly is familiar with what the president did, but now, practically speaking, so so are sanctions going to be reinstated? When will that happen? Whose decision is it? How does that work? So it's a decision of the United States. It will, they will, it will take some time, and they have to give notice to businesses and others to give them uh, different periods of time, depending on the business, to, to get out. Um, automotive, uh, airlines, air, others have 90 days, 180 days. 
but in the meantime, new sanctions will be developed and will be applied. And as we see Iran continuing its aggression and its aggressive a- a- actions, uh, we see that it expands now in Morocco, where, where uh, Morocco broke diplomatic relations with Iran uh, because they, uh, they've been supplying through their embassy in Algiers SAM-9 and SAM-11 missiles, uh, which are surface-to-air, and the Stella, Stella rockets uh, to the Polisario, which is in a hotly contested area, as you know. And uh, the Arab League has backed Morocco in, it, in its action. But it's only one of many, many examples uh, that it's not just a nuclear program. It's Iran's aggression. It's Iran's human rights violations. It's Iran's ballistic missile, the weaponization, uh, the evidence of its uh, nuclear program. So many things that, that we want to see covered and, and addressed. But the message that, that Iran got from Israel this week, but also from the United States backing of Israel, the message of the president's action, uh, I think are very important because dictators probe for weakness. And when they find this kind of resolute response, they go and, and reassess. Now, I don't know what the North Korean dictator's intentions are and whether he's just playing it out. The likelihood is that we may, we may find more problematic things in the future and whether he's really ready to denuclearize. Uh, but the fact is that you have negotiations, you have the release of the three Americans and other steps um, being taken. So then the next step will be the Treasury Department, which has developed and will develop additional sanctions. And countries and companies will have to make a decision because the president in his statement said that they will punish countries that continue to trade and support Iran's uh, uh, program. Iran's economy is in freefall. It's Currency is at the lowest level, I think it was 7000 7500 to the dollar officially, but unofficially many times that. And the unemployment is high, the, and the people will be prepared to take on these uh, additional burdens if it means that the government will allow more freedom, if the uh, government will be replaced. Regime change has not been the goal of the United States or anybody else in this uh, in, in these activities, but the you know but given the fact that the IRGC and the Supreme Leader control forty percent of the economy, things that test it are are going to affect them very much and their ability to fund mm-hmm. a lot of these activities. Remember, we gave them one hundred and fifty billion dollars when we signed the deal, which goes money uh, we're not getting back. Money and they spent thirteen billion just in Syria, wow. and, and and they are spending billions on Hezbollah, billions uh, around the world. They have in Africa uh, seminaries with six thousand people being trained. These these are in the Khamenei's leadership uh, as radical uh, imams that will and and every African leader complains about it. So we have uh, Iran the, the uh, expanding its activities. And I think that the um, uh, the need for this kind of decisive action, and I hope that the Europeans will come up now and, uh, and stand up right and decide that it's time for them to read the Riot Act to, to Iran and not give them a safety net to continue uh, trade. But the fact is that companies will have to make a decision. Do you want to trade with Iran or you want to trade with the United States? Wow. And it's not an easy decision. Do you know that Israel, which has 10% of the population of Iran, has uh, an equal GDP, gro- uh, gross domestic product? 
Wow. It's, it's, and, and with a population 10 times the size. And the, the foreign investment in Israel is four times Iran. So you know that the, the uh, vulnerability of its economy and it's, uh, the potential leverage that we have, and a lot of the companies who announced these multi-billion dollar deals never consummated them because they were always reluctant of the Airbus 200 planes that they were supposed to sell. I think four were delivered. Now, this is a very important, and the Boeing sale, because these are supposedly commercial airlines, but we know that they're using them to aid and abet their activities in Syria, and the, the, the domestic civilian airlines, Mahan and others, were used in supplying weapons and transporting troops, etc. And how many did they officially buy? 200 and, Airbus. And, and only a couple have been delivered? Four. So what happens to that deal? Does that... Does that get... Uh... That's a very good question. So uh, Boeing, I think, will, will have to, especially Boeing, uh, Airbus is European-based, but but does a lot of business in the United States, and nobody wants to lose it. And the fact is that they have such backlog of orders that losing the Iranian deals will not so seriously adverse, uh, adversely affect them. And in fact, if you look at their prices in the stock market, did not drop uh, significantly. Uh, the oil went up a little bit, but Saudi Arabia said that they will uh, they will cushion the blow, and uh, it may go up for a short while. But I think it will stabilize because there is there are sources of oil, including the United States now, um, that uh, we're not dependent on foreign oil. So I think a lot of the concerns that are being raised are uh, are not necessarily ones that will be uh, acted upon. All right, I got a bunch of questions. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. All right, so let's start with this before I ask you about the European reaction. Uh, the question is, and this has been you know bandied about in the press so much this week, what is the what is the logical answer? You're probably going to be asked this, by the way, this Shabbos, frankly. What is the logical answer uh, when someone says, how on earth will North Korea trust the United States if they see that the U.S. can't keep a deal with Iran? That North Korea will see that the United States stands by its allies, protects its friend, and if you want to be protected, you better be a friend of the United States. That, the, um, uh, that this deal uh, was flawed and that the United States had the right to pull out, as it did, and that uh, Iran had been violating it. And the, the, it, it violated on its very premise. The problem isn't uh, that, that they withdrew. The problems that are being pointed to are those that we got into it in the first place, that we accepted a deal that was uh, flawed, and uh, the anxiousness with which uh, the parties um, pursued Iran to get this deal Rather than in, in, in including in it other provisions, the sunset clauses, which would have enabled them in the seven years, which is very brief time, uh, and the very fact that they lied. We know from uh, the material that was released, and the people are all debating, well, is it new stuff? Is it not new stuff that Israel found? First, we don't know what they found because 90% of it is not made public. But what it does prove is that they lied when they said, we have never, we will never, we never sought it, we will never manufacture it, we'll never purchase nuclear weapons. Clearly, they had a nuclear weapons program, and I think we could say they have a nuclear weapons program. Yeah, that's been, that's been proven. Uh, also, the impression was 
and I don't know if we blame the press for this one as well, but the impression was in advance of the decision by President Trump that Macron, Merkel, Macron certainly more than Merkel, were, were sort of ready to you know, to, to give in to the United States' demands that, that we've got to really analyze this deal and if necessary, we got to leave this deal. And then it happens and they're among the first to criticize the U.S. for doing it. Weren't you under the same impression that, that France certainly under his leadership was, was, was sort of acquiescing, acquiescing to the United States' you know, suggestion that, that Iran is simply not trustworthy here? Well, I certainly think that they feel that uh, Iran is not trustworthy. I think even Merkel and others uh, would agree. The question that they raise is what's the best way to address it? Uh, is pulling out or engaging or, you know, turning the screws in other ways, still adding additional sanctions, uh, but staying in the deal because it affords some protections um, that, that the, uh, but, but the Europeans know full well. Iran is active in Europe. Remember how many uh, there are agents that kill people there, the uh, activities they have to radicalize uh, um, Muslim immigrants and others. Uh, they know the danger Iran uh, poses. They know the attempts to undermine regimes, pro-Western regimes in, in the Middle East. But Europe has never uh, shown or rarely shows itself as uh, bastions of, of glory and courage when it comes to situations like this, they pursue the dollar, they pursue the, uh, the economic benefits, and uh, look for the easy way. You remember when the uh, what Churchill once said about a, the pursuit of appeasement, that it's, uh, you know, feeding the crocodile in the hope that it'll lead you last. Right. Well, that's what we've seen. Europe is, is paying the price. And uh, as in other matters related to this, the security, we see the, the results of it in the deteriorating situations there. Um, I know it's irrelevant now, but I'm just curious what you think. Could he have, would, would Trump have done this without Bibi and Bibi's presentation? Would he have done it without the uh, immediacy right after the big presentation and reveal by the Prime Minister of Israel? The president said this when he was running. The president said it after he was elected. And uh, I think that uh, this is something certainly consistent with his views. They have the administration was adding uh, sanctions. By the way, even during the Obama years, sanctions were being added. But the the president made very clear his feelings about this early on. I watched some of the file footage that was shown in, in the late night and uh, analysis of uh, what was happening, and it showed him in, in various forms saying this. I think Netanyahu's information, Israel's information, uh, bolstered the case and I think only gave further uh, justification for it. By the way, I, I want to point out, uh, one week ago, and anybody wants to hear the archive, they can, you, you also warned us that if, if the U.S. pulls out of this deal, there's a lot of different things that are going to be you know, juggled up and down and that, you know, that we have to be wary of. It's not, simple, it's not a simple thing to just back out and, and think that uh, you know, things can continue you know, as is, so to speak, from that point forward. That, the, that there are uh, complications that right. they, you have to address. But the fact is that when you come out in very unequivocal terms and you put the markers down, America is a great power. America matters. 
And I think America is being seen again as mattering. Right. Uh, also, I, I didn't know the answer to this. People asked me this week. I, I don't remember when, when France and Germany and other European countries and God knows how many other countries came out, uh, you know, encouraging the U.S. or throughout this whole process, you know, encouraged uh, President Obama at the time to, to do the deal and, you know, hop the board, et cetera. Was the U.N. active in any of this? The U.N. doesn't have resolutions or outspoken statements about the Iran deal pro or con, does it? The U.N. supports it, certainly. And that means what? That there was an actual resolution in the in the, uh, in the the um, U.N. body or in the Security Council? Or sure. I don't, how come I don't remember that? So did they react to it? Did the U.N.? Uh, react to it this week after he made the decision? Yeah, well, they were critical of the decision and had urged him not to pull out. But um, but there are two levels. There there are Security Council resolutions, like on missiles, missile proliferation. You also have the NPT, the Non-Proliferation Treaty, which Iran is clearly violating. And, um, you know, there, there have been expressions of concern about Iran and Iran's nuclear program. But the, the actions... Uh, of the United States. And remember, when Secretary Kerry made the rounds, I mean, he, he, he negotiated with the Iranians and uh, worked with the Europeans to on the deal and constructing the deal itself. Uh, and I think, uh, and Secretary Munoz, the Secretary of Energy, who was involved in it uh, as well. And there are a lot of people who are questioning, especially because of his, uh, his activities in, in recent uh, weeks where he seem to have been counseling, or at least reported to have been counseling the the Iranians on uh, the deal. And the he is John Kerry. Yes. And uh, he and President Obama pretty outspoken uh, in, in uh, the aftermath of President Trump's decision. They, they well, they have a legacy to protect. Right. And, um, yeah, I get that. And, you know, they're seeing the legacy that the president, in general, from Obamacare, all the... Right different aspects of it um, disintegrating. All right, now to the second part that everybody's curious about. So I don't even know if we need to use the word alleged or not because I can't can't follow in the news who's taking credit for what. But we know that in the aftermath of the decision uh, by President Trump, so it, it seems that rockets uh, came raining from Syria uh, on Israel. They were intercepted by Iron Dome, right? Yes, sir. And well, four were. And only four of the missiles were taken down by Iron Dome. The others, most of them, landed in Syrian territory. Ah, okay. And um, or in open areas, not a single target was hit. Right. And um, right, that the reports point. that they, that the Iranians put out about the damage that they caused were not true. All right. So um, not surprising. So Israel reacts or allegedly reacts again. I'm not sure what the proper term is right now. Um, and uh, starts hitting Iranian installations in Syria. So first of all, how successful were they? I mean, do we know the total number of Iranian installations? Do we know how many miles or kilometers they take up and how much damage Israel did? So Israel did a lot of damage. They hit 50 sites, and the reports that they're only around the, the southern uh, Damascus in the south are not true, even though some sources that are usually reliable on these issues uh, have said it, it, it is not true. The, um, they eliminated the vast majority of Iran's physical presence in in Syria. You know and that yeah. that includes five uh, anti-aircraft installations that were firing missiles at Israel, um, probably Syrian, 
And, you know, Syria is told to stay out of it. it uh, it's not a target. They're not trying to get rid of the regime, but, but stay out of this. Right. Um, the, the targets that were hit with missiles and stuff it was obviously well-planned, and there are maps that are available online which show you the different locations. There were missile depots, arms caches, other things, other facilities. And yep. as it, it'll take many years for them to rebuild. It would be easy for Israeli personnel to tell if Syria did get involved, right? It would, it, it's not difficult for them to tell the difference between uh, an Iranian attack from in Syria or a Syrian attack. They're able to monitor the, right. the origins of where the missiles are coming from. That's why when Israel hit back earlier at certain uh, Syrian facilities, they also... Uh, are holding Iran to account, and they've said it. They told the Iranians, we will hold you to account for any rockets that come across. The Syrian, obviously, the, the Russians and, and others were alerted and, and you know, stayed out of it, essentially, because Iran, uh, Syria um, hosts, uh, you know, Russian anti-aircraft systems, etc., so they, none of them were fired. The the initial blast of... Uh, of um, rockets, 20 rockets that were fired into Israel, they can tell where they were coming from. You can see it, by the way, most of it. And these facilities are, were also often underground. And I've been told, uh, I'll say carefully, that um, um, the rockets, the Iranians took the rockets out of silos and stuff because they wanted to fire them. So they put them in position to fire, and then Israel eliminated them. Wow. Uh, doesn't all this have to come to a rather quick, peaceful calm? Because and, and and included in that, the possibility of Monday's May Fourteenth uh, Day of Rage, because uh, Tuesday is Ramadan, and isn't there a tradition that uh, that war that war and, t- and terror attacks and missile strikes don't take place during that month? No, there are <laughs> terrorism attacks during Ramadan. Some people say they're even ratcheted up, and because people go to the mosque more often, they get incited and excited, uh, and they're hungry during the day. But the, um, um, the, the so the, I don't think there's any correlation with the reduced uh, incidents. Second, um, I think if you have a calm, it's because Iran's abilities to do stuff has been sharply reduced. The, the uh, there are concerns that uh, facilities, Israeli and Jewish facilities outside of Israel, could be targeted where you don't need to use rockets and other things. But we've seen in the past where there were uh, attacks either on a synagogue, could be, you know, remember the Amiyai in um, in Argentina. So yeah. that's one of the concerns is that, that and they talk about hitting uh, Israeli interests worldwide. And the uh, and you could have you know other um, flare-ups, but I don't. I know they do not want an all-out war in Lebanon uh, because their investment there is great, and the people in Lebanon don't want to see the devastation that will be wrought on them because Hezbollah is part of the government. There just was an election, and Hezbollah yeah, but controls half of the seats in the parliament. They are part of the government, and therefore. No restrictions at last time when they weren't part of it. So Israel refrained from hitting targets that were uh, in infrastructure of the Lebanese government. Uh, still, with the threats, uh, you know, for Monday in Jerusalem and this new threat now from whoever it is, uh, you know, on the Gaza border, 
that not only won't things light up, but that things are only going to escalate. Well, the, the plan there was to escalate all along and to keep it up even for a few more weeks. And they see that they got uh, sympathetic coverage, despite the fact that it's clearly Hamas and Hamas operatives and sending ch- their own children to the front line to die for, for their activities, just sending these kites over, which are only meant to destroy. And, you know, people might think that they're not threatening, but when they burn people's uh, fields uh, just before harvest and when they destroy factory buildings and other things because you send over many of these um, fuel filled uh, uh, carrying fuel loads that are on fire and wherever they land they set fire to whatever is nearby so the you know people shouldn't dismiss it it's just another form of terrorism but we we um uh you know that the, uh, you can anticipate and i know that israel has called up additional troops some sent to the south and some sent to the north some of those in the south were allowed to go home uh, yesterday, but are on quick alert to return, and others are remaining on duty. Oh, and uh, don't worry, folks. I do have a good news story coming up because I know we got uh, an unusual number of comments last week that we haven't uh, concentrated on good <laughs> on good news recently. But I got to ask you something, and I know that I, I do this to you almost every week because I'm so fascinated by it. All this happens, and you explained, and you continue to explain to us the role of Russia or the lack of that of a role that Russia has in Syria, and things are so hot along that border this week. And the Prime Minister of Israel travels to see Vladimir Putin. Uh, what goes on in that conversation? If if the if if you've affirmed for us that the Prime Minister of Israel essentially. Uh, you know, will proceed to do what's necessary in Syria, against, especially against Iranian installations, whether he has the consent of Putin or not. What goes on in that conversation? With Putin? Yeah. I think that they uh, talk about the coordination and how to make sure that we that there is no involvement of Russian forces and that he says, listen, you stay away from our uh, troops and our infrastructure, the bases that they have. You don't threaten their interest, which includes keeping Assad in power, right. and, uh, and 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 I believe that Putin wants to see Iran diminished. Iran's goals and their goals are not the same, and that they uh, it challenges Russia's role. And they, the last thing they want to see is with ISIS defeated, that Iran continues to to expand and put its radical Islamic uh, agenda into into effect. Remember, Russia has a huge Muslim population. And uh, many of them were radicalized. Remember, in Chechnya and Iran and Russia killed tens of thousands of people, uh, supposedly there. And the the um, the concerns they have about radicalization, which I discussed with Putin back in 1998 already, and he talked in very uh, adamant terms about the danger that this poses to to Russia. He was then head of the FSB, which was the successor to the KGB. So I think that the you know, he has talked about the fact, he told me once that he told Arafat, if you bomb Israel, you bomb Russia, I have a million citizens there, and um, and I consider it an attack on us if you attack them. Right. So, uh, you know, Russia has its interests. One is that it doesn't want to expend any money there. It's uh, it, it has uh, put in a meager amount of money into into Syria. It has mostly airplanes, very not not its own troops uh, dying, uh, and they had they got their bases. 
So that's the, they want to protect those interests and the Assad regime. Beyond that, I think they benefit from the attacks on the Iranians. All right, time for some good news. Uh, our very own Yoni Pollock says, I must use the sound effects more often, so I have the applause sound effect going on. Uh, Malcolm, Malcolm, we are applauding the fact that an Israeli company, the name of the company is, uh, hang on a second, Frutarome, has, mm-hmm. been, has been sold for $7.1 billion. That can only be good news. That's, that is great news. Uh, you know, Mobileye uh, exceeded that, I think, Insight. Uh, but this is a, fr- a fragrance and f- uh, flavoring company. Uh, most people don't know about it, but they have worldwide uh, installations. And uh, there were other companies sold for $3.5 billion, $4 billion, And yet, the, and I saw this in Israel, I saw new companies, and they're all like sci-fi. It's all like science fiction when you see what they're doing in automotive, in, uh, you know, for automated driving, for right. um, growing uh, uh, cells uh, outside the body, um, fat cells, that uh, they take from fat cells, bone cells, and they're able to fix broken legs, osteoporosis, stenosis, so many things by, by growing your own bone cells. So it's, there's no rejection. It's, it's revolutionary. And doctors here who have seen it are flipping out. And it's only one of, of many companies that are innovating in literally every aspect. So the number of startups, the, the number of companies investing from the outside continue to grow. The birth rate, and you look at the brachot that HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised, you know, if we keep his laws, the last one is, and that you will be fruitful and multiply. Well, Israel's birth rate now is, it continues to grow and exceeding the, the uh, Arab birth rate. And by the way, the Shiite birth rate in Lebanon has fallen precipitously. Wow. So, I mean, there are so many things. And when you look at good news and you think about uh, the fact that the embassy being moved, something that everybody, every president promised for decades, and we should not take any of these things for granted. And, and you know, just that it's a normal course of events. Nothing is in the normal course. And we should thank the president of the United States. Contact the White House, everyone. Email. Call the White House comment line. Let them know how thankful you are if, in fact, you are thankful for how the President of the United States has acted on behalf of Jerusalem and Israel. Do what the American friends of Atarik Kohanim are doing on Wednesday night at Terrace in the Park. They'll be giving a special award to the President, well, whoever's representing the President of the United States. Um, uh, Malcolm Honline this past uh, Monday, as we said, spoke in advance of his honorary doctoral recipientship at the uh, Bar-Ilan University in Israel, and you launched the new. You helped launch the new Impact Center for the Study of Judaism in Israel and North America. And um, I, you know, I know it's impossible to cover everything, but one of the things I was thinking of: a lot of the leadership, a lot of the leadership that at one point was delivering important national messages to Jews in the United States, a lot of them, frankly, have moved to Israel because they saw a bigger picture and understood the future of the Jewish peoples in Israel. And I think that in and of itself had quite an impact over the last two, three decades on American jury. Absolutely. And uh, I saw it there amongst the crowd that, that, yeah. that came. A lot of talent there, huh? A lot of talent, a lot of academics, people in every uh, field, uh, and examining the issues that confront us all about Jewish education, about what happens with assimilation, about the the losses that we suffer every day of hundreds of, of uh, young people disaffecting and disaffiliating. Um, 
But the, uh, I just wanted to point out that, sure. you know, that the Prime Minister of Japan visited Israel this week, the second time that Prime Minister Abe was there. It hardly makes news anymore. <laughs> Remember what a big deal it was, yep. Nahum, when the, yep. when the first time, because I arranged that first meeting of a prime minister. I had went to see him, and unfortunately it was the week that Sharon had the stroke. And, uh, but, um, and you know what they, they say the national bird of Israel is? The crane! The crane. And I... It drove this time in new areas that I hadn't visited uh, and seen in smaller towns in in every area. It's amazing to see the construction that is going on all over Israel. Unbelievable. And it's beautiful stuff. It's uh, for high tech, for low tech, for everything, and 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 for commercial housing, uh, and for residential housing. It's it's really amazing. We're going to continue to spread the good news, no question about it. By the way, everybody in Riverdale, New York, Riverdale, New York, the RJC, the Riverdale Jewish Center, welcomes Malcolm this coming Shabbos, starting tonight. He'll speak twice, Shabbos morning, tomorrow after Musaf, and then again during Shalashudas tomorrow. Uh, go if you're in the Riverdale Jewish Center to hear Malcolm Honline about these and other issues. And Malcolm, please send our best to Rabbi Ganak and his family. He's up there in uh, Riverdale. Mm -hmm. And have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak again next week. God willing, thank you, and have a great Shabbos. Malcolm Hall. Oh, next week we have the uh, weekly update right before the three-day Yuntif, although I got criticized yesterday for calling it a three-day Yuntif, folks, because it's Shabbos going into Yuntif. should not be referred to as a three-day Yuntif. But nonetheless, we'll have the weekly update heading into uh, the holiday of Shavuos next week. Uh, keep in mind, everybody, Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Keep in mind, everybody, that Sunday is our Yom Yerushalayim special. No joke. Sunday morning on Yom Yerushalayim itself. Between 7 and 9, Matis and Mayer and myself, as we get set with Yom Yerushalayim, and we will play the Kolot about 8.30 Eastern Time, the sounds of 1967. And then Monday from 6 a.m. to 11 a.m., a five-hour JM in the a.m. on Embassy Day, on Israel 70 Day. It is a massive celebration brought to you by us, the Nachum Siegel Network, and American friends of Ateret Kohanim, Jerusalem High, in advance of their massive celebration. I hope everyone's going to be there on Wednesday night at Terrace on the Park when they honor the President of the United States. They also have great honorees, by the way, aside from the President of the United States. And they honor this and celebrate this U.S. Embassy move to the undivided capital of Israel, and that's Jerusalem. It's happening Wednesday night, 6 p.m. at Terrace in the Park. That's where the celebration will continue. Join us Monday morning on the air, Wednesday night at Terrace in the Park. Information, JerusalemChai.org slash dinner. JerusalemChai.org slash dinner or 212-216-9270. 212-216-9270. This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading the two parshios of Bahar and Bichu Kosai. It is Shabbos Chazak. We have the privilege of finishing the third Sefer of the Torah. And we catch up this Shabbos to Eretz Yisrael. We read two, Bahar and Bechu Kosai, and in Eretz Yisrael they read just Bechu Kosai. Next week we're together, ready for Kabbalah Satora with 
Bamidbar. Now, the two parashios of Bahar and Bechukosai, according to the Chinuch, Bahar contains 24 mitzvos, 7 positive, and 17 restrictions, and... Um, Bechukosai contains seven positive and five restrictions, a total of 36 mitzvos between these two parshios. Now, there's no question about it, but the, let's see, if I can use the term, dominant mitzvah that we find in both parshios is that of Shemitah. What an incredible mitzvah! that of the, quote, sabbatical year. You work the land for six years, and it rests on the seventh. The opening pasuk of Pasha's Bahar begins with, instead of the usual, by Daber Hashem, El Moshe Lemor, God spoke to Moshe, saying, here the Torah includes those two additional words, Bahar Sinai. Now, the obvious question that Rashi says is, come on, why do we have this location told us here as opposed to any other place? And therefore, Rashi gives you that very powerful answer in quoting from our Chazal, Torah's Kohanim, that just as Shemitah was given at Har Sinai, so too all the mitzvahs of the Torah. Now why specifically might Shemitah be singled out? Says the Chassam Sofer so beautifully, how do you know the Torah is divine? Which is what Har Sinai means. That it came from God who gave the Torah at Sinai. So the answer suggests the Chassam Sofer is many of the laws of our Torah are understood by man. They all come from God, but we understand them, be it laws man to man, not to murder, not to steal, etc. And even laws that are man to God, the Torah gives a reason for mitzvos, and we can understand it. This law of Shemitah defies all nature, number one. You're going to work the land for six years straight, and the sixth year is going to be the bumper crop that you're going to have enough from the sixth year for the next, quote, three years unbelievable. And wait a second, how does this happen? As the Torah tells us in chapter 25, you'll take out the Chumash, because we're going to get back to this Pesach in a minute, God says, I shall literally command my blessing, and in the sixth year, and it's going to produce for not only part of the six, seven, but part of the eight as well. Amazing. Only Hashem could say these words. No mortal man can say to a nation, do this and quote, smoke a lie. No, and trust me that the land is going to produce. Only God himself. And this is to show, as the Chinuch points out 
in Mitzvah 84, the Mitzvah of Shemitah's Karko'os, the whole concept of Shemitah is, number one, to ingrain in us that there is a Creator. He created the world in six days, rested on the seventh, and that cycle of six and seven is repeated again um, with the Shemitah. And going one step beyond, not only to show us and to remind us that there is a God and that He is in control, but secondly, it comes to teach man that he is to be a generous individual because that sign which is above your field for six years, no trespassing, that sign comes down during the Shemitah year. And to have the fortitude, the ability to watch complete and total strangers come into your land and take the produce from your land... uh, Where does this come from? This comes from one word, emuna, trust, bitochon, faith, trust in God and faith that that which he tells us to do is good on every account. It's good for the land, it's good for you as an individual, and this is going to heighten and help the individual in his bitochon, in his faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, as we know, there are no extra words in the Torah. I'd like you to, as I said, bring the Chumash to the table tonight, tomorrow, and take a look at verse 20. And the Torah says, Oh my goodness, v'chisomru, and should you say, Manochal what are we going to eat in the seventh year if we're not going to be planting? So how does one function? So then the Torah says, birchasi, I will literally command my blessing. Very strange. And if you don't ask, there won't be a blessing. So take a look at Sapurno. And the Sapurno gives a fantastic understanding as to how we are to understand these psukim. And he says as follows. If you look at verse 19, where God promises, Vinasna'aretz piria, the land is going to give forth its fruit. Vachaltem lasova, and you will eat literally and be satiated. Vyeshavtem lavetach oleha, and you'll dwell securely upon the land. Why does the Torah have to say, and you will eat and be satiated? So, interestingly, the Sapurno, as well as Rashi, explains what does it mean. Vachaltem Lasova, that you're going to eat and you're going to be satiated, namely, Af Bracha. The blessing is going to take place literally within your digestive system, namely, as we find again and again 
in this week's parsha and in the beginning of Parsha's Bechukosai. The rabbis tell us that you are ochel kim'o, you'll eat a little bit, umizborech b'meyov, and it's going, the blessing is going to be inside you. You're a growing man, a growing boy. You need a full sandwich. If you eat a half a sandwich, the normal conditions, the half a sandwich, you're not going to be hungry, but you're not going to be full either. Here, the eating of the half a sandwich is going to satiate you, and as the Zipurno says, that the fruit are going to be filled with not just luscious fruit, delicious fruit, but full with nutrients. It's going to sustain you. As it was with the Omer, we are still counting the Omer, the Mun, which came down for the Jewish people. They collected Omer, a measure, less per person, a more, an older person and a younger person, a more elderly person and a young person. Everybody collected the same amount, and the same amount satisfied and satiated everybody. The same is true over here, that a little bit is going to satisfy, and therefore, watch. If you don't ask for it, that's verse 19. You're going to have a blessing, literally, in the quality. You're not going to need so much, and you're not going to need the quantity, so that when you don't plant in the seventh year, that which you planted in the sixth year, the same amount of all the year's produce, this will sustain you for the next three years, again, not by you having to serve smaller portions, no. You're going to need to eat less because that which you are eating is going to satisfy you and the bracha is going to be qualitatively. However, v'chisomru, if you're not going to trust Hashem, and you're going to ask, oy, 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 how are we going to do this? Then, in verse 21, I'm going to command my blessing, and there was going to be three times the amount. You're going to have to have more silos. You're going to have to work that much harder. The blessing will come. But is the blessing going to come quantitatively, or the blessing is going to come qualitatively? Wow. But one thing for sure that emerges from this week's parsha of Bahar and the second parsha of Bichukosai, which whereby the Torah says very, very clearly and strongly that if you do not keep the mitzvah of Shemitah, so the Torah tells you in uh, chapter 26, Pasuk 33, 34, 35, very clearly that in the punishment for your neglecting Shemitah, you will be exiled. Now, we can understand this if you take a look at a Rashi in Bahar. This is in chapter 25, Pasuk 38. And the Torah, in pretty much closing this section. How does it end? 
God says, I am your God. I took you out of Egypt. What didn't you understand? So listen to the Rashi. And Rashi says, I didn't just take you out to liberate you, to teach the world that might does not make right. I took you out. Why? Almanas. You were taken out of Egypt for a purpose. You were taken out of Egypt to accept my mitzvot. And that's why we are in the counting of the Omer, right? Last night was 41 in the Omer. We're almost there. But we are counting towards Shavuos, and that's why we appreciate the Ramban, who says that these days between Pesach and Shavuos are like a that like one happy time that we are anticipating the purpose of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, our getting the Torah, which we'll celebrate, please God, next week. And what does the Pasuk say? Hashem says, I take. I am your God that took you out of Egypt. Lo seis lochem is Eretz Canaan, to give you the land of Canaan. And what does Rashi add to that that you don't understand? Pischar shetekablu mitzvosai. You're given the land of Canaan. The land of Israel is given to us in reward for our acceptance and observance of mitzvos. We observe the mitzvos, we keep the land. We deserve the land. We don't keep the mitzvos. Chas v'shalom. That's it. We don't deserve the land. The land itself is a metaphysical entity. And that's why on the opening verse in Pasha's Bahar, go again, where the Torah says, V'shav Oretz Shabbos Lashem, that the land itself is to be a Shabbos unto God, the end of the second Pasuk in Pasha's Bahar. So the rabbis learn that not just am I not going to work the land, but what's the purpose of this Shemitah land, Shemitah year? It's not to go traveling abroad. What is it? It is like a Shabbos, says the Eben Ezra, just as the Shabbos is the time when the Jew connects intellectually, spiritually, with Hashem. All week long, he's busy trying to make that living. Shabbos, he's in a different sphere. He connects with greater spirituality. Sit down. Not only did we have it first, the concept of a sabbatical is known to society for, forgive me, a full professor, associate professor, depending on the uh, university, how many years, etc. We added first the concept of a sabbatical year, but the Torah says, who gets this sabbatical year? Every Jewish farmer. The farmer is elevated to a, quote, full professor, and he's given the opportunity, and he's told, go to the base medrash, and there your purpose, your your ability to soak in and to absorb Torah is actualized. This is such an exciting concept to get out of the farm and into the base medrash. This is what 
Bahar and Bukhukosai is teaching us, and this is so significant, but it goes one step beyond. We say it, well, there are those that add this verse to the uh, Birkas HaMazon, and if you don't, you say it three times a day in the Ashrei, whereby Puseach Es Yodecha, literally you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, open up your hands, Umazbiah, and you give each being in accordance with your desire. We don't just say it, we believe it, and we live it in the Shemitah year. Ashrenu matov chelkeinu, that the Torah, Eretz Yisrael, and the Jewish people are so unique. Shabbat Shalom to all.
JM in the AM, Friday morning broadcast on this era of Shabbos. We will bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Sivan will be on Tuesday. Uh, Sunday is Mother's Day. It's also Yom Yerushalayim. Our Yom Yerushalayim special is Sunday. Get ready, everybody. Our Yom Yerushalayim special is Sunday. Matas Weingast, Mayor Weingarten, and I bringing you Yom Yerushalayim between 7 and 9 on JM Sunday. Our thanks to Matas. Um, that's happening Sunday between 7 and 9. We should get to the sounds of 1967 about 8.30 Eastern time this coming Sunday. Around there. Monday is Embassy Day. It's Israel 70 Day. It's a day for celebration for Jerusalem, for Israel. And NSN and the American Friends of Atarit Kaunim are together presenting an amazing five-hour JM in the AM. I'm not kidding. Five-hour JM in the AM. It's going to all begin at 6 a.m. It'll conclude at 11 a.m. on Monday. And it's all in advance of the Yom Yerushalayim celebration that uh, you're invited to with Atarit Kaunim at Terrace on the Park on Wednesday night. That's the night they uh, acknowledge the incredible actions of President Trump vis-a-vis Israel and the city of Jerusalem. Uh, be there. Be there Wednesday night. Make sure to be tuned in Monday morning. On Wednesday night, here's how you make your reservation. You either go to JerusalemChai.org slash dinner, JerusalemChai.org slash dinner, or you can call 212-216-9270, 212 216-9270. It's going to be an amazing and incredible uh, celebration on Wednesday night. And, and Monday, we'll give you so many details about it. I mean, th- there's so many wonderful people who are just celebrating, who are just getting ready for the amazing and incredible Monday that's going to be yet another Israel 70 celebration. So, Oh, that's what's going on here trying to get into one of our email accounts and it's impossible <laughs> has that hap- has that happened to anybody out there where you try to get into an email account and uh they ask you for a password and you have zero recollection what the password is that's happening to me at the moment anyway um, Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Bahar and Bechukosai candlelighting in New York 742 742 in the New York area um, if you want to comment on our app, feel free. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and uh, comment away. Somebody on the app says the Yom Kippur War started during Ramadan. I got to look that up. I got to look up if that's true. Not that I, I mean, I believe you. I just have to, I got to verify that. Interesting. Um... That is interesting. All right. Um, more coming up as we start to wind things down here on an Erev Shabbos broadcast at the JM and the AM. This comes from Simcha Liner. Shall I 
Simcha Liner here at JM in the AM. Starting to wrap up a Friday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM with Journeys. Time to say good job. It's Yom Yushalayim Sunday. Monday, our big five-hour Israel 70s special with our friends from Ateret Kohanim. Only here. Nowhere else but at the Nachum Siegel Network. Coming up next, Naomi Nachman with Gabe Geller of Royal Wines and Brent Delman, the cheese guy. Naomi Nachman on table for two between 9 and 10 on the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, sponsored by our friends at Kedem, followed by the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, sponsored by our friends at Kedem. At 1 p.m., Harry Rothenberg and his Parsha video blog. It's all coming up, plus Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night with Avrami. And, of course, our Yom Yushalayim special on Sunday morning here at JM Sunday at the Nachum Seagull Network. Oh, it's time to say good Shabbos. Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign Your candles will be burning They'll 
songs of Shabbos well into the night. So throw away your hammer, there's nothing left to do. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. And that will wrap up another amazing week for us here at JM in the AM. Naomi Nachman's next. Brent Delman, the cheese guy. Gabe Geller of Royal Wine joins Naomi on table for two. That's next here at the NachumSiegel Network. Then Mark Zomik, Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show and the Arab Shabbos music mix. Harry Rothenberg, 1 p.m. for the video blog about the Parsha, Bahar Bechukosai. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Sigal Davrami. Saturday night, uh, Sunday morning, rather. Matis, Mayer, and I with our big JM Sunday Yom Yerushalayim special. Join us live, 8.30 Eastern time for the sounds of 1967. And then Monday, the incredible presentation along with American friends of Atarat Kwanim, Five straight hours, 6 a.m. to 11 a.m., celebrating Israel's 70 on May the 14th on Embassy Day. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. We'll speak to you, remember, on Sunday. Till the Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.